women and men in equal partnership, leading their organizations to success. This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast. And today we're incredibly fortunate. I have JoLynn Whiting. She is the board chair of the Women's Leadership Foundation. I had the pleasure of meeting her a few weeks ago at an event where women were talking about being on boards. So, JoLynn, thanks for taking your time. Tell us a little bit about the foundation and what your mission is. Great. Thanks, Bob. Well, Board Bound by Women's Leadership Foundation, we really are working for advocacy because we believe that having more women on boards is critical to success of their companies. Fortunately, the research bears that out. We also work on the supply. So we have a board bound program that equips women to skillfully step into board service. And we work on demand because we think there are a lot of very talented women already out there. And that the more that companies, CEOs, board directors, the chair nominating governance ask for those women and look for them, the better off we'll be and we'll have more balance on our boards. How long has the foundation been around? We were legally formed in 2002. So the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce formed an independent foundation. And we were rather dormant until 2011 when we adopted a mission. And the way we did that is we did research of what's already going on here in Colorado. Where are women succeeding? Where are the gaps? And one of the gaps that really stood out was breaking that glass ceiling to get on a board. So that is what we focused on. We started with research. In that very first research study, we learned that there were only 7% of the board positions in Colorado held by women. So we felt like, well... How did that relate to the rest of the country as a comparison? At that point in time, we didn't have a really good benchmark because you need to adjust for size of companies. A lot of times back in 2011, you heard publications say we've got 12%, we've got 14%, but they might have been only talking about the larger companies. And here in Colorado, we do have a lot of smaller companies, which tend to have fewer. But today we know that, and we know we're about two percentage points behind the national average, and we're actually about nine percentage points behind some of the best states whose companies that are headquartered there have done a great job getting women on boards. But you guys have made, in as far as percentage gains from where you were, you guys have made great strides. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. And I mean, it's a slow, but it is a steady increase. The trends, lower left, upper right, that's a good thing. Because I said we started at seven, and I'm very proud to say that as of December 31st of 2018, we're at 14.4%. How does that put you in comparison to other states? Well, we're still behind. We're still behind by about those two percentage Mm -hmm. points. But the part that's encouraging is if you look at this last year, we had a 2.1 percentage point gain. And the previous six years, it was less than one point. So we're encouraged because a lot of Coloradans have gotten behind this. Colorado was the fourth state to pass a resolution by both houses in support of having women on boards. But even before that, we had been working with some wonderful CEOs who brought their fellow CEOs and board directors together to talk about this issue. 
and they had made a commitment and they actually were in support and helped support that legislative resolution. So people like Dave Lineker of Remax, Patty Moore, of, uh, who's the board chair of uh, Red Robin Gourmet Burgers, Jerry Stead of IHS Market, were all great supporters. Gary Goldberg, Newmont Mining. Newmont Mining has five women on their board. And a lot of people would say that's an area that would not be traditional for women. And they have a woman board chair. And they have been very successful. And Gary's a great leader and very thoughtful about how to make their global operations uh, responsive to women. He talked about the gold mines in Africa and being sure that the having women truck drivers for the gold mines in Africa was very unexpected, but has been quite productive once they introduced the concept that this is possible. <laughs> I knew a gentleman that had a fairly large construction company, and he said the women were better drivers, and they didn't tear up the equipment near as much. Well... That's what Newmont found, too. You know, and you think about, well, yeah, you know, you see a 16-year-old young guy with a car, and what's he going to do? He's going to spin the tires, right? But I think about the recognition wave of the past few years on the women's movement. Yeah. But you guys were advocating way before that time frame. And the thing that's fascinating, and I don't think a lot of people really know the numbers, on a dollars and cents basis, the effect of having women on the board, on the bottom yeah. line. That's been one of the things I think is real important. And one of the things that's been great is investors have gotten behind this issue. And part of it is there's research that did a study following companies over a five-year period to say those that had three or more women on their board for that five years, how did they perform versus those with all male boards. And the companies that had three or more had a 37% increase in earnings. And those with all male boards had an 8% decline in earnings. So I think there's two things from that that I think are important. One is that three or more is a great number because you get past tokenism. And the women that are participating are participating as individuals, not representing a whole gender, but bring their skill set. Skill set. And the other thing is that it's the diversity. Another research done by the conference board said that actually the performance of the whole board improves. They use the term effort norms. And so if a new woman gets on a board, she often is very excited about this, very diligent about her preparation, comes in with really good questions. But what happens is the rest of the board members also get more engaged. We got to up their game. And so a lot of the research is not... Why is that performance improved? It's not simply because of the contribution of the women. It's the effect of having diverse perspectives of women and men and also different ethnic backgrounds, that sort of thing. That's the other thing we're looking at. We've looked at the fact that we need more white women on boards. If you look at proportion of the population, we'd need about twice as many. We need about three times as many African-American women on boards. And actually, we need 11 times as many Latinas on boards. And so that's one reason that... That strikes me as really... Amazing, un Unexpected. Isn't it? Yeah, you think, oh, which really means the number so low. Yes, yes. So we started Latinas in the boardroom. 
Okay. Uh, to focus on that. And uh, we're proud that in our corporate boardbound program, we have Latinas and African Americans. We have a good mix of people participating, which enriches the program. I think about for the business owner that's going, you know, I'm, I've got concerns about my board or I've got a board member rotating off and I want to take in and add diversity to my board. What's the approach? How do they find you guys? And what happens next? We would love for them to call us. (laughs) You know, a lot of larger companies have search firms. And that's wonderful if you have a search firm that is committed to bringing forth women candidates, too. We were excited that Hedrick and Struggles has just adopted a policy that half of their slate over a year to all their clients will be women and our racial candidates. So that's good. But for that has not been the trend. That's a new positive development. A lot of search firms tend to bring forth the people that are already on boards, which are predominantly white men. So one of the things that we offer any company that is interested through our Board Connect program is that we'd love to listen to your requirements. What do you need? What are those strategic skills that will help your business get ahead? And we will bring you some women candidates and introduce you to some women candidates that we think would really be good for you to consider. And we're able to look at that within Colorado because we know of the 70 so women living in Colorado that are already on corporate boards. We're able to look at our women that have already gone through our board-bound program. They're C-level. They have great expertise. And they are prepared for board service. But we also have a national network that we can tap. And so we can get candidates across the nation for a company's consideration. We're not a search firm in that we don't do due diligence on all of the candidates, but we are a valuable resource in bringing to you candidates that meet your needs that you then can decide if you think are a good match for your company's board. We were talking about the inventory of women and so on. And let's say that there's a number of women that are listening to the episode and go, you know, I'd I'd really like to take in, like we were talking about in your career, when you were working for telecom in the corporate world, you go, didn't even know that I didn't even know about that progression in your career. And then you built a company and sold a company. So you had the business ownership side. But for some of the women, they're going, so I'm looking for an expanded leadership role. Right. All right. What types of things does board bound cover for them? Right. First of all, I think it's very important. We would love any college student that is thinking about their career to begin having in their mind, not only how what's my career path, but how does that include board service? Because it really does take preparation. But many women who have large teams, they manage profit and loss. They may be cyber experts. They may be good innovation and product development and growing the top line. All of these skills that are proven are great qualifications. So I think the first thing to do is to recognize that board service is something that you may want as part of your career. Then to prepare that, of course, the basic foundation is to be good in your own job. And to have a great track record, (laughs) because that gives reassurance to people that you are able to look 
at the company. If you're on a board, you're really representing a lot of the shareholders. You are really looking for the future health of that company. And so having a financial foundation, even if your job is not, you may not be a CPA, but you'd understand financial basics. You understand what the drivers are of the top line and the bottom line and how to bring that together. And we have two programs that might be helpful. The first one we call Community Board Bound. So for women younger in their career or actually women that have now have the breathing space to give back, it is a program to prepare you to serve on nonprofit boards, on hospitals and university boards, on city and state boards and commissions. A lot of things are very important, very influential, can make a big difference to our society. So that program is a six-workshop certificate program. And at the last workshop, there's a little bit of a speed dating between you and other organizations that are looking for boards. So it's sort of a way to, even if it's not a perfect match, you at least are thinking, do I want to be on a board that is education-focused, health-focused, different areas? Then our second program is Corporate Board Bound. That's a year-long program. It is uh, fee-based. So you have workshops and you also are assigned a mentor. So your mentor is someone that is a director of a corporate board. So they can give you, they can share their story, help demystify what this uh, means to have board service. And you have a mentor. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that has been very helpful. And What this process is, is basically you get a basic uh, one-on-one of governance and what the responsibilities are, what companies say they're looking for in board members. You then prepare your board bio and resume, and then you think about what's my unique value proposition. Would I be good for a compensation committee, the audit committee? Is it what, what would make someone want me for their board? And then what's my target list of companies that I think I could add value to? And then how do I have a networking plan? This isn't direct. People don't advertise and say we are looking for a board director. So it's more networking. But most of the people that go through our corporate board bound program, we're very proud. We have we had 12 go through last year. And of our program, the last couple of years, we've had six that are on boards now. So that's a really good. And we think that a lot of the others have great prospects. But a lot of them will find that board position through their own network. But because they've gone through board bound, they've got a clear idea of how people can help them <laughs> because they can articulate what their goals are and what their values would be. And their network then can help them find what seems like a reasonable match. You know, it's- as um, going on a board. So they've not been on a board before. And so they serve on a board. What's the transformation that happens typically to that woman that then has board experience? What do you see the change if there is one? I think the biggest change is uh, strategic thinking. If you're in an executive position and you're responsible for a department, or if you are a person that's grown your own business and as are a successful CEO of your own business, you are very operationally oriented. Sure, you think strategically about where you want to go, but your life is mainly 
executing what you need to do to be successful. If you're on a board, your role shifts. You're not the person that's doing it. You're the person that's asking the right questions to be sure the right information is coming forward and that the strategy is clear and the accountability is clear and that the right people are in place. So I think that transition from executive to the broader governance helps you be more strategic in the rest of your life. You're going to meet very interesting people. You're going to meet thoughtful, successful, conscientious, caring people. And they're going to have uh, perspectives based upon their life experiences, which may be very different from your own. So I think that if you look for leadership development, I think that serving on a board is greater than most university programs that you could do. I'm fascinated. And a lot of times I'll talk to folks and go, they don't know what they don't know. I mean, they don't even know they should know. Now, I think about for women that may want to take and serve on a board. And you go, I don't even know where to get started. I haven't framed the question. I mean, why would somebody want me on the board? I mean, I'd just do this or whatever. And if let's say that maybe you're a young woman just starting a career and you go, but my five, 10 year goal is to serve on a corporate board, but I have, I'm here. So would a progression be get on a smaller municipal nonprofit board? I think so. I think that would be very valuable. You'd learn board process, governance responsibilities. So I think that is very valuable. Another good resource, I I think in Colorado here, one of the things I'm excited about is we've got a very great cooperative relationship with other organizations concerned about this. So we're board bound by Women's Leadership Foundation. We focus 100% on this. Colorado has the National Association of Corporate Directors chapter. So one thing you could do is attend one of their meetings, NACD. In that meeting will be a lot of current directors addressing issues important to directors. So you'll get a lot of exposure and understanding and a feeling of, is this something that I want to seriously proceed with? There's also now a recently formed chapter of women corporate directors. So current women corporate directors, and many of them have been very helpful to us because we have women and men who are mentors in our corporate board-bound program. And we are deeply appreciative of them sharing their time to work one-on-one with someone to help them along this path. Because as you say, you may not know people in your life, their own boards. And I think about almost any publication that talks about how you succeed, there's always a mentor somewhere, or it seems like. And you go, well, how do I find one? How do I find a qualified one? And I would think in this type of arrangement that there will be mentors like you were talking about in the training program. You were assigned a mentor. Uh And you go, what a gift. That is a gift. It, It really is. And they meet each other. They make sure they're both comfortable with proceeding with this year-long commitment. And some of our mentors have stayed involved past the year because it does often, it takes a lot of persistence and you have to really think about and work at this. We just heard the story of a, a man that got on two boards within one year and a friend told him how lucky he was. He said, I'm not lucky. I sat down at 8.30 every morning and worked on this. (laughs) 
It's interesting you think about your, you have some marketing background and you're marketing the product you know best. And it's a concerted goal and effort to get her done. But I think for the CEOs, I would really encourage them to talk to us. There's no risk to say, share with me some potential candidates. Because when I've sat down with some of them and gone over the qualifications, I'm remembering this one man's eyes got bigger and he said, they are so good. In another case, someone said, I think they might intimidate our current board, which we we don't want people to be fearful of, but it's just a sign that it was such a powerful resume. So there are a lot of good women out there, talented women right now that have accomplished a lot of wonderful things that could help businesses be successful. And so that's what's exciting to us is when you get that magic of it working for the woman and the company, and they're both really excited that they're going to have a stronger board and that they're going to be more successful. And you guys have events periodically through the year? We do. We do. We have one coming up with the Colorado Women's Bar Association. The one that you attended this fall was uh, with the Women in Mergers and Acquisitions. So we have some of our own events, like community board-bound workshops and that sort of thing. But we also would invite other professional groups to partner with us or invite us to be a speaker or to partner with us in developing a program that really meets the needs of their members. I mean, I thought that was a great one. Uh, We had 100 women and men that were professionals in mergers and acquisitions, and we had a great speaker that had talked about implicit bias, and we had on that panel some of the people, Ginger Graham with the Walgreens board, John Kelly, who is a wonderful CEO of Sarascan and also has been a mentor in our corporate boardbound program. So, and many other great people that come together. So we have our programs and we're also excited to work with other organizations that are interested in this subject to develop something that works for them. I think that the whole topic is back to the you don't know what you don't know. I'm not altogether sure how well it's known in the business community about the, if it's what's in it for me, well, your bottom line does better. You know, and you go, well, that's what's in it for you. (laughs) You know, and you kind of go, that's a pretty straight line. And I think about for folks, uh, you know, the challenge is get the word out. We'll be including a bunch of data from your December 31 in the blog post. So that'll be nice. Before I forget, so if somebody wants to find you and the organization on social media, how do they find you? Uh, womensleadershipfoundation.org. And I was on the site, uh-huh. and there's a wealth of information. There's a, a lot of case examples of very successful women that are serving on boards, and there's a description of your training programs as well. Exactly. And so if folks are interested, is piqued about this, that's a very good first place to start. Absolutely. And Bob, just one other thing. Even if someone isn't interested themselves on being on a board, that can help the cause. They can be sure that the companies that they do business with, they can find out, do they have women on their boards? Just one question to an executive as to, have you thought about having women on your boards? <laughs> this is one of the problems in Colorado. The, we've said early on that we're a little bit behind in That's mainly because 40% of our public companies still are all male. Now, that's much higher than the national average. And I don't think 
it's even in their own best interest to do that. So we'd love to part with them. But any individual that is listening, if they're not interested in personally being on a board, they can still make a big difference if they, the companies they shop with, the companies they invest in, if they are conscious of, are there women on the boards? Because it's all of us working together that are going to make this a better world and a better business environment and a better society. So we're really appreciative that to be able to, for your help, to get the word out. I think about just in demographics, roughly half men, half women. And they go, well, if your board is all one or the other, you're kind of missing out on half of the perspective. And so it just common sense dictates you should have some level of parity on a board. I was thinking about your example on the Newmont board that has a fair quantity of women on the board. Five women, five women and a woman board chair and a wonderful CEO, Gary Goldberg. You know, I think about who is the largest consumer of gold likely in the country? <laughs> like very smart board. Yeah, if I got that one. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. In looking back, maybe it would be good to talk about a little bit of your background and what you did. And then some of the challenges, perhaps, that you ran across in your career that have helped you going forward. Well, first of all, I grew up in Texas on the ranch. My family settled 175 years ago, and most of the women were teachers and most of the men were ranchers. So you talked about not knowing what you don't know about. I did not think of a business career. But after I graduated from college and had done a little bit of student teaching, I thought, I'm not so sure about that. But I was very interested in this book, Education and Ecstasy by George B. Leonard. It's when computers were coming out and people were saying, if you teach at the point of curiosity, the learning will be so much more exciting. And so I thought, okay, okay. I heard that in Colorado, they had this PhD program for educational research at University of Colorado. I applied, I was accepted, but I needed to live here a year to get residency. So I started working at the telephone company. So it was Mountain Bell at that time, but I started as a service rep and I found that I liked it, the business world better than I thought I would. I sort of thought you were either a capitalist pig or a nerd to go into business, but I found out that actually it was very interesting, the direct interface with customers and this. So I decided to switch to an MBA and I I decided to commit myself to a business career and I loved my career within the company. I was working with U.S. West, and U.S. West, when I left in 2000, when it was acquired by Quest, we had 27% women on our board. So it was twice the S&P 500 average. This was back in 2000. And we also had twice as many women as executive officers. And we had the best share owner value appreciation of any of the seven regional bell operating companies formed at the time of AT&T divestiture. And that was something we'd always worked on was pairing that diversity with success. What do you think? Because I take it that's completely different than the other Ma Bells. All of the bell companies were probably better than average, but we were the best on these issues. But the other thing that happened, I started my career way back in 1971. I was going to just work until I qualified to go to my graduate program. But I decided that I was offered a promotion after one year. And I decided, okay, I'll go ahead and take this 
promotion and I will switch and get an MBA going to night school. But then in 1973, the AT&T EEOC consent decree happened. It was the largest EEOC consent decree in the nation. And what had happened is a lot of companies had discriminated, but AT&T documented it. (laughs) And so uh, the consent decree required that you would have at least 25% women in middle management by uh, within five years. So it was fascinating for me. You talk about seeing these people that I went to break with that talked about their families and their community and what they were doing in their personal life. And then the consent decree happened. You had people, oh, I'm going to go back to graduate school and I'm going to pursue this. And the break talk was about business and the break talk was about this. And by the way, if that husband doesn't like this, well, he better get with the program because I need to go after this. So you saw energy And I remember that Dan Yanklovich did behavioral studies at the time, and he said, you don't aspire to what you cannot hope for. So I really saw that. I saw that when there was hope there, that people's energy moved dramatically. And so we were successful in meeting that benchmark. And all of, back to your point, all of the Bell companies then had that level of success. But... What happened in our company is that we noticed that it began to plateau after that. And so we really tried to form a win-win relationship between the women in the company and the executives. We formed U.S. West Women. We worked with the CEOs. We had gatherings with officers. We presented data. We applauded the success stories when women went into the network organization and that sort of thing. And And that really, for me, is part of my inspiration for wanting to be involved with Board Bound by Women's Leadership Foundation now, because I'm thinking that I saw that within a microcosm of one company, and why can't we do that in Colorado? And I think we're on that track. I think there are a lot of wonderful CEOs that are embracing that. That's what made a difference for our company. We had three CEOs that really believed that this was a good thing to do. There are a lot of CEOs here in Colorado that are committed. Kent Theory of DeVita committed to a majority diverse board and has accomplished it. So we've got an honor roll (laughs) of uh, companies, but we have others that I think just haven't thought about it. I think a lot of companies that don't have women on their boards yet, they just haven't thought about it. You think about what's the tipping point for that thought process and said if you have 100% 100% one type of board, this is your profitability. And if you have this type of board, there's a real good chance that your profitability will go up by a third. Yeah. And you go, you mean I don't have to buy new equipment? And you go, uh, maybe not. And you go, why, why wouldn't you do that? But, you know, I don't know that it's that simple. But at some point, you then left corporate America. Yes. And you struck out to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, first of all, I did take a sabbatical of a couple of years. Because I was working, as many of us are, 60-hour weeks, and my life was programmed for weeks ahead. And so I felt like that I needed to just switch gears. And I remember going to the athletic club and seeing all these other people younger than me exercising in the middle of the day. And I'm going, I never would have thought of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you mean middle of the day? <laughs> I would have never thought of that. But it was lovely. It was lovely. But then I did get involved in consulting. I consulted in Europe and Australia and Singapore and here in the U.S. And so it was really fun. And I loved it in the marketing and uh, strategy. And then I mentioned to you in 2005, I invested in home health business. And so it was in Texas and we've started it. We grew it. I became the chair of our board. So that was my first board. Well, I had been involved in nonprofit boards, but that was my first for-profit board. So as I became chair, I helped oversee the negotiation to sell the entity after the five-year mark when we felt like we either needed to take it to the next level or we need to sell it to someone who was wanting to do that. So that was a wonderful experience. You know, I think about the mission statement and the things that you guys are trying to do. If you could put an ad on the front page of the local business journal, what would it say and why? Colorado can be a leader in women-owned boards. We together can transform this from being a bit of a laggard to being a leader. And that when we do that, we're going to be more successful. Our companies are going to be more successful. We'll have better economic development for the state. And we'll have a lot of talented people being able to really tap their resources and what they're able to give. And won't it be good for all of our kids that they know whether you're born a boy or a girl, you're going to do great things in life. <laughs> Can you help me put all that into an ad? I'm, I'm thinking the, your, your front page ad is the front page. I like it. <laughs> for you, when you look back over all your experiences, when you allocated your time, what do you think the best return on the allocation of time that you had? What did you do that did the best for you? I probably could learn from other people on your podcast on this. Uh, what I did is just pour lots of hours into what I care about. So it's that waking up early thinking about it. It's that working, persisting, and being inspired at night to work a little more on it. So I don't know if my time allocation is the greatest, but I think that if you have a goal and you really put your energy towards it, I think what I've done is just work hard. Well, it's a focused effect. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, if you're scattered, it's really hard if you work hard. Right. I am very focused. As a matter of fact, my close friends have felt like I could zoom in. Well, and what the listeners can't see, but they can on the video, when you go, I'm focused, I'm going, I can see the focus. Yes, ma'am. For you, if I was to talk to some of the folks and said, you have an unusual habit that's helped you succeed, what would that be? Wow. Well, you, I saw you come in with your Franklin Day plan. I do. I do. I do carry this day timer. I have tried the electronic. I, I use my smartphone, of course, but I like this and I'm still committed to it. And I can find meetings quicker than my friends that are using their smartphones. So, <laughs> And it can't be hacked. That's right. It's, it can't be hacked. Compl- yeah. For over the past few years in the organization, is there a belief or a protocol that you guys have established that's really helped this progression of women on boards in Colorado? Yes. Uh, Gloria Zamora is the vice chair of uh, Board Bound by Women's Leadership Foundation. And we had a meeting uh, with a very wise person to ask who was on a board. 
to ask him how he thought we could make the most difference. And he said, realize who can make the difference. It is the CEOs. And it's one CEO speaking to their fellow CEOs who are going to make the most difference. And that's why we really felt good about the six or so meetings we've had over the last couple of years of 30 to 50 CEOs and board directors that have gotten together to talk about this and to talk about what actions they could take and we could support that would help us progress. So I think the answer was realizing our organization is here to help bring a focus to catalyze energy, but we're not the people that are going to make this difference. It is the CEOs, uh, the board chairs, the chairs of the nominating governance committee who will decide whether this is a good thing for their company or not. And so direct engagement with them, acknowledging that they are the ones and we're here to support them. And I think that has made a big difference. It's a principle. It's a belief that we have. And we want those companies to be successful. I think they realize that we are motivated for their success. And we think that's made a big difference. And you talk about the statistics. And as more women serve on more boards, then the statistics become more compelling. Yeah. And being somewhat of a stats guy myself, when you think about that, you go, well, don't be stupid. Yeah. Of course, I'm sort of blunt, too. <laughs> But, but so for you, if you were going to offer advice. Oh, excuse me. Could yeah. I just, so you talked about stats. Besides the better return, there's fewer financial restatements, 40% fewer financial restatements if you have a woman on your board, and there's fewer governance controversies. So I think it helps achieve the upside and avoid the downside to have women be part of the boards. And I think about risk management. And so... It's back to that. I don't think they know what they don't know. And maybe that's it. For advice to a new CEO that's assuming the role for CEO first time, what advice would you offer? Well, I think it's always the team, isn't it? We're very lucky on our board of Women's Leadership Foundation that I'm just in admiration, the people on our board. They're very committed. They're pouring their own time and energy into this. They're very talented. So to me, as a CEO, your first and most, the highest payoff is to have the right people with you and to make good decisions on who you recruit to be on the team. Back to a good board, right? Mm -hmm. For misconceptions about the Women's Leadership Foundation, what would you say is the biggest misconception about <laughs> women's leadership? Well, I think our name is uh, pretty generic, and that's one reason we've adopted Board Bound by Women's Leadership Foundation, so that people know it's board bound. A lot of people, when you say Women's Leadership Foundation, well, is it the Women's Foundation of Colorado? Is it, there are several groups. And so we're really, uh, our new logo is Board Bound by Women's Leadership Foundation, and we've done that to try to, clear up the misconception. Yeah, we're, I've been harassing you for a while now on a snowy Colorado <laughs> day. And looking back over the past few years, we'll go, boy, we can always figure out what we should have said yes to. Uh -huh. What should you have said no to and why? Maybe some consulting assignments that I've done. I wanted to help a friend, but the company wasn't really ready to move and wasn't really ready to take the advice. 
So we did a lot of good work. It could have, uh, we still believe it could have been quite productive, but it's disheartening when you see that it really wasn't implemented. So I think maybe being a little more judicious about which assignments really have a higher probability success. For me, I raised both my kids. I have a boy and girl. I raise them the same way. Uh-huh. They both hunt. They both do all the stuff together. And so I'm a firm believer or I wouldn't be here. And I must admit, I was highly outnumbered at the women's <laughs> yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thank you for being there. You know, that was a lot of fun. So I really appreciate you taking the time to take yes. and share and uh, look forward to uh, much success for you well, guys. Well, thank you, Bob. We really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am.